But I want you to write these three things down. You might want to write it in the margin of your Bible. We'll be in Acts 11. We're about to journey through Acts 11 today. And whether it's on your phone or a piece of paper, but I want you to write down just simply the number one and the next to it, live. And then the number two next to it, uh, work. And then the number three and next to it, play. So one, two, three, live, work, play. And I'm giving that to you now so that way as we journey through our time this morning that you're aware of that. We're going to come back to that. But I wanted to give that to you here to begin with. So one, two, three, live, work, play. And my, my aim and desire for this morning is that, honestly, not even just for this morning, but as we launch into 2022, uh, is that we have an opportunity, I think, in front of us to do some things that, as you saw on the screen, our series is remarkable. And it's not by what we can do, but it's by what God is able to do in and through us by the power of His Son and the power of the Holy Spirit who resides within you. And so, The thing that I want us to key in on as we enter into this year as a church family is that we would be intentional and and, and very driven and focused on just this idea that we must and we will engage with more people for the purpose of gospel conversations. We want to engage with those people, we want to love those people, we want to have a burden for these people, but it's because we see them as God sees them. Our heart beats for them in the way that God's heart would beat for them. We see them as valuable because they are valuable because they're created in the image of God. And I believe for us, if you look over the course of 2021, just just for, for, for my perspective, just Tiffany and I were able to, to, to come and be a part of this church family towards the end of 2020 and that November and December being here as pastor and, 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 and pastor's wife, just to, to, to be here with you guys, kind of get some things established. But as we entered into 2021, we experienced some pretty incredible things uh, as, as you kind of take a look over the course of the last year of what we were able to, to, to experience as a church family. But I, I feel like what we've been able to do over that first year is we've kind of gotten uh, some foundation, got some, some settling, uh, got some Uh, some things just kind of ironed out to where, it's yes, we're going forward as a church and as a ministry within the community of Murfreesboro and beyond our walls and beyond our borders. But as we do so, one of the things that I shared with you early on that I want us to come back to and really hammer for this course of this year is that we want to engage with more people, that we want to be intentional with trying to have those conversations with them about the cross and about Christ and recognizing the value of that. And so my hope is that as we go through this series uh, here at the beginning of the year, we're going to journey through the book of, of Acts from chapters 11 through 20. And my hope is that we see the, the early church and just some of the things that were valuable to them, that were of high importance to them, that we would, we would take and that we would resonate with and that we would adopt into our own life and culture. So before we jump into this series and before we jump even into this sermon, I want to pray for us. Father, I ask that as we spend our time this morning, that it wouldn't just be going through the routine or the ritual of, well, now it's time to have a sermon. Uh, Lord, I pray that this could be a, an, an opportunity for us to, to hear from you, to respond to you. And Father, that we would take the truth that you have shared with us so that it would move us, that it, it would set us free, and that, Father, um, we would be exemplary in our 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 life and in our calling that you've given us each as individuals. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were with us last year at this time, 
You may remember this, or you may not, because you slept since then. But this time last year, we went through a series in Acts, Acts chapters 1 through 10. It was our reset series. And this year, we're going through 11 through 20. It's our remarkable series. And I know that some of you may not remember it because, again, you slept since then, or uh, perhaps you weren't even a part of the church family at that point. But as we journey through this passage, uh, there's two things that I want you to do here at the beginning uh, as we launch into this series, is one, I would encourage you to go back and read Acts chapters 1 through 10. I know some of you have started your new uh, yearly reading of the Bible and whatever plan that you may have, but for others of you, you might go, where do I begin? I would encourage you, read through Acts chapters 1 through 10 to get reacclimated with what's going on thus far. But then specifically, each week you know that you're going to come back to Sunday, and next week we're going to be in Acts 12. The following week, Acts 13. And I would encourage you that once you read Acts chapters 1 through 10, before you come the following Sunday, read that chapter, familiarize yourself with it, because some of these chapters are fairly lengthy. Uh, we'll, we'll read them, but we may not be able to deep dive into all of them. And I want you to see every, every element and nugget of beautiful truth that is there within these scriptures uh, so that you uh, are able to have that. And also, it just helps kind of contextually as well. So as we jump into chapter 11, chapter 11 reminds me uh, of kind of the beginning of a a serialized TV show. Some of you uh, will remember this. Some of you, you've grown up maybe with streaming all your life, essentially. But I can remember watching TV shows that you had to be there at 8 o'clock Central Standard Time or you were going to miss the show, and you might never see that rerun ever again. And uh, there was specifically a show that came out in like the early to mid-2000s that was called Lost. And it is the greatest TV show of all time. And if you don't like it, you don't understand it. That's all I'm going to say. And so it's this, it's this wonderful show, but it was very complex, a lot of mystery to it. And so as a result of that, almost every time there would be this narrator at the beginning of the show that would go previously on Lost. And it would recap for you what you had missed maybe the week before or even weeks before because there's a lot of story to kind of share. What I love about this is it's been about a year, about, about 10 months, since we last left the book of Acts, chapter 10. And you're like, I don't remember anything. Well, that's okay. Acts chapter 11 is kind of like a previously in Acts. And so what we have is, is Peter is about to show up uh, from being with this guy named Cornelius and his whole household. He's going to show up to the church there in Jerusalem and Judea, and uh, he, he's going to kind of give a report. And so Uh, What you're going to see throughout Acts chapter 11 is there's going to be these moments of it's just going to kind of have these brief words or phrases that you're going to go, oh yeah, I remember that from previously in Acts chapters 1 through 10. Uh, we're we're going to get the story of of Stephen and the the Stephen being the first Christian martyr, and we're going to be reminded of the persecution and the scattering of of Christians. We're going to be reminded of a guy named Barnabas. We're going to be reminded, oh yeah, there's a guy named Saul who was persecuting the church, but then God got a hold of him on the Damascus Road and gave his life to Christ, and now he's just on fire for the Lord. We're going to be reminded of in Acts chapter 2, whenever the Holy Spirit came and, and, and dwelt within the believers there, there on the day of Pentecost. You're going to see glimpses of this to kind of remind you just a little bit of what happened in Acts chapters 1 through 10. But again, I encourage you to go back and, and read through it yourself, but... To begin with, let's read Acts chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him. 
saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them, but Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them an orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I had fixed my gaze on it and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air, and I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But again, a voice from heaven answered me a second time, What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and everything then was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared to me in the house, at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them. So without misgivings, these six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us, this is Cornelius, and he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. Peter says, And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as he did upon us at the beginning, at Pentecost. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? So when they had heard this, they quieted down and they glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Taking notes is the first thing I want you to jot down. The gospel of Jesus is remarkable. It is for everyone. The gospel of Jesus is remarkable. It is for everyone. It's for the person on the other side of you. It's for your neighbor. It's for the person that lives under your roof. It's the person that is in the cubicle next to you. It's the person that you work with remotely that's in that chat room that you talk to. It's the person that you play with and work out with. The gospel is for everyone. And we see that this is such a huge deal because up until Acts chapter 10, we have this sense that it seemed that the gospel maybe was for those who were just uh, Jewish. Even though Jesus had said in Acts chapter 1, you'll be my witnesses in Judea, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But there seemed to be kind of this, this restraining of, uh, well, maybe this is just for us. But the good news is that it didn't just stay for the, the Jews. It was expanded to where I imagine like you, uh, I, I'm a Gentile. I'm grateful that the gospel went outside the borders of that culture and that custom and just that ethnic group, but it went out to all people because God is a God for, for all. This gospel is good news. As we enter into 2022 and we stress and we want to encourage and exhort that we would have gospel conversations, that means that we want to be talking to people about the full gospel of Jesus. We want to be able to talk to them about the person of Jesus and the life of Jesus and the cross of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, the return of Jesus. We want to bring Jesus into the fold of those conversations but for Peter, when, when he shows up in those first few verses and he comes back from hanging out with Cornelius, a Gentile, news always spreads fast, doesn't it? 
The news even got ahead of Peter. The, the, the leaders there in the church of Jerusalem had already heard about this and said, hey, you got some explaining to do, Peter. What, what, what's going on? What, what took place? They're, 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 they're honestly kind of, I don't know if they're, they're frustrated or if they're upset. I get a sense of kind of bewilderment that, Peter, you're, you're, you're our guy. Why would you go to the uncircumcised and eat with them? And, and I just want to read to you the words of Peter in, in the previous chapter. If you want, you can flip over a page. But in Acts chapter 10, verse 28, G, uh, Peter is talking to Cornelius. He's in Cornelius' home, a Gentile. You just wouldn't do that. He even says in verse 28, chapter 10, he says, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him, and yet God. I love that. God changes things. You know that? God changes you. He changes people. He changes circumstances. He changes customs. He changes things. He says, it's been unlawful for me to do this because I wanted to be true to the law and, and holy as I possibly could. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unclean or unholy. He recognizes that the gospel is for them. And not just because he wants it to be for them. He recognizes the gospel is for them because God got his attention. And I want you to notice how he began to get his attention. In verse 5, I want you to underline the word in your scripture if you have it. It says, and Peter says, As I was in the city of Joppa praying. He's praying here. There's an intentionality of Peter taking the time to spend it with the Lord to just simply pray. We don't know if he's asking for requests. We don't know if he's praising God. We just know he's talking to God. He's praying. And when you put yourself in a position, in an environment where you are in a community with God in a sacred, set-apart time, unique things can then begin to happen. Whereas it is, sometimes what we are guilty of, I've been guilty of, maybe you have, maybe it's just me, is I believe in prayer, the power of prayer, prayer is important, I'll pray for you, I'm praying for you, but we hardly ever pray. Or we go through it just in a ritualistic sense of, uh, before I eat so I don't feel guilty, I'm going to say thank you Lord for this food, but I'm just going through the motions of it. Or you see someone who's hurting or sick and you're trying to figure out how do I kind of segue the conversation because I need to sign off and you're just like praying for you. Are, are we people of prayer who, as I remember one man said, he said, it's not that externally there's a sign of those who are more holy than others, but he said, when I see a man's tattered Bible and his worn out knees, I begin to wonder that might just be a man of God who's read his Bible and been on his face before the Lord. Now some of you are like, I can't get on my knees. You get the idea. It's the heart. Are you men and women of prayer? If we want to see things in your life as individuals and things in our life as a church, as Mission Point, it begins with prayer. And it can't just be something that we talk about. It can't just be something that we say, well, that's for Stephen to do or for the elders to do. or for It's for all of us. And it's beyond just, just requests and just petitions. It's, it's spending that time seeking the face of the Lord on behalf of others and not just for, for, for me. And it's in this moment when Peter is in this place, in this posture of humility, that God says, I got I to show you something, Peter. 
I know you've grown up for a long time that this is the way you're supposed to live your life as a Jewish person, specifically of what you can eat and not eat. But I'm about to just change your life. And he literally just like unfurls all these different animals coming out of the sky. And Peter's like, gross, I can't eat those things. Why are you showing me this, God? And God says, get up, kill it, and eat it. I'm so thankful that he said you could eat the pig. I like the pig. The pig is good. Bacon is good. I love the bacon. And so because of this, I believe for us, our dietary restrictions are different as well. I've seen that freedom, but Peter understands the importance of this. This is not just an example of you can take, kill, and eat, but God is really getting to a point. He's using this as an illustration of there are those far more valuable than that of an animal. It's those created in the image of God. And though they look different from you, you call them pagan, you call them unclean and unholy. Mm-mm. They're created in my image. I love them. They need the gospel. And so for some of you right now, I believe for the most part, most of it would say, yeah, the gospel is for everyone. But what about that one person, that one group of people that really begin to bother you? Maybe they're on the other side of the aisle. Maybe they're in a different part of the world. Maybe they're someone who have done something to you as a result of of, of a variety of different things. Of I just I just I have a hard time seeing God want to to love on them because of who they are and their actions. Remember the Ninevites and our study of Jonah last May, of how could God possibly show mercy and grace to such a wicked people? But we're really good at pointing to others' wickedness. But we don't realize that when I point out to you, I got three fingers pointing back at me of, I'm guilty and I'm wicked. And by His grace and His mercy alone, it's not because I grew up in church, it's not because I grew up the son of a preacher, it's because I, I had the privilege and the opportunity to hear the gospel proclaimed to me, and by God's grace I responded to that gospel. Same is true for you if you are in Christ. And so the the gospel is opening up. What I'm asking you guys to do is, like Peter, that you would pray. Last year, you may remember, we we had this this kind of buildup for who's your one. And we had our who's your one rally. And we had our who's your one Saturday and and Sunday. And and we encouraged you to be thinking about who's that one person in your life that you really want to have that conversation with, that you would want to invite into a setting like this. Who's that person in your life that is just burdened upon your heart? But I'm wanting to expand it from one to three. So really, who's your three? And it's that thing that you wrote down at the beginning, live, work, and play. Who do you, who do you live with or around? Who, who's under your roof or who is on either side of you as a neighbor? Who do you live around? Because see, God has put you where you are at and not where I can be. Where you live is where you live. I don't live with you. You may not know that, but I don't come home with you. Where you work is where you work. Where you play is where you play. That's where God has strategically placed you. So I want you to think about those three specific arenas of of three people that pop up into your mind during the course of this sermon. And maybe only one pops up, but but maybe three, maybe more. But I want us to to, to strive to be like, if we're going to engage more people, we got to think about more people. And if we want to begin to engage them with intentionality, we need to begin to pray for them. Pray for for three individuals that are beginning to, to maybe... Be cultivated in your mind and your heart right now if you live, work, and play. And I'll tell you, I was going to mention this at the end, but just to kind of give clarification, there are some that are in those categories for me that I'm praying for, specifically in the area of play, that 
My understanding, though I don't want to make the assumption, my understanding is that they know the Lord, that they're a follower of Christ, but they're pretty distant from the things of God. You know what they need? (laughs) They need someone to pray for them, have a burden for them, love them, and let's talk about Jesus. Let's have a gospel conversation. So perhaps that may be someone for you that maybe they are lost, they are not a follower of Christ, but it may be uh, one in those categories that you're like, that's a person that I believe they know the Lord, but my heart is burdened for them because I want to see them uh, experience the, the joy of their salvation, return to the Lord and, and live passionately for Him again. And it's the gospel of Jesus that changed us. It's the gospel of Jesus that continues to change us as followers of Christ, our sanctification. And we want to be a part of that with those that are around us. Now, as, as we see in these first few verses under this first point that the gospel is remarkable, it's for, it's for everybody, that Peter's recapped this story. As he gets to the end of it, he shares that truth bomb in verse 17 that, uh, that God gave the same gift as he gave to us after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of you who are grammar people, and this is going a little bit more deep dive, notice that he uses the word, he gave us this gift of the Holy Spirit after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You receive the person of the Holy Spirit after saving faith in Jesus. And so, as he shares that, that truth bond with them, that the same thing that we experienced on the day of Pentecost, Cornelius' household, a group of Gentiles, also experienced, they, they're, they're kind of in awe and wonder. I, I love the fact that Peter says this gift. The Holy Spirit is a precious gift. So one thing, he's a gift, but also he is a he. Don't forget that. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is this precious gift. And I've heard people say this. I I think I've even mentioned this. Maybe you have said this as well. Of, Lord, what do you want me to do in my life? And I would give anything if you would speak to me like you did in the Old Testament. I wish you would speak to me through a burning bush like Moses, because then I would know it's you and that's what you want me to do. Or if, if you could just allow me to have the experience of, of, of what they had where they, you parted the Red Sea and they got to walk through dry land, then I would know, God, there you are and you're at work. I'm not going to lie. Those would be awesome experiences. I would love to be able to experience that. It would be pretty evident. But if you keep reading the story of those who came out of the Exodus, crossed through dry land, experienced the power and the presence of God in a magnificent way, It wasn't just a few chapters later. They are grumbling and they're complaining and they forget about the power and the presence of God. Because you know what they don't have? This side of the cross, this side of the empty tomb, we have the person of the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. What we have received after saving faith in Christ is the person of the Holy Spirit to dwell within us. Man, people in the Old Testament, the holiest, the godliest, they would have longed for that idea of wherever I go, God is with me. I don't have to go to the temple in Jerusalem. Wherever I go, God is with me because of my faith in Jesus. God, what do you want me to do? Well, I don't have to go to the temple. I don't have to do all these different things. God, you will speak to me here and now because you are dwelling within me. The Holy Spirit is a gift. It's a gift that is given and a gift is received. God gives the gift, you get to receive the gift. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? It's not something that's added to you. There's some teaching out there that the Holy Spirit is something that, well, you place your faith in Jesus and then you get to graduate later on and maybe get the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. When you confess your sins, repent of your sin, place your faith in Jesus by His mercy and grace, the Holy Spirit comes to take up residence within you. And when the Jewish leaders of the church in Jerusalem heard this, in verse 18, 
two things that they did. They quieted down and they glorified God. They basically say, well, okay then. That's pretty remarkable. And they didn't just kind of accept it begrudgingly. They praised God. First notice this. They listened and then they praised. How are you with your listening? Are you a good listener? If if those people that we're praying for, that we live, work, and play with, Hopefully we have the ability to ask engaging questions with them, see who they are. But oftentimes I can be guilty of, you're talking, you said something, makes me think of something, I want to say it, will you stop talking? Because I want to share what I have to say because it's really cool and you need to hear from me. And it's like, no, 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 no. If we want to develop that burden for people that are around us, we pray for them and we listen to them. We hear what they have to say. I'm so grateful that in this story, that these individuals in this church, though they are totally confused and maybe even bewildered about the idea of why would you go into that house to a Gentile, Peter? Like, you're one of the guys. You are the leader. Like, what are you doing? But instead of staying focused in their confusion or maybe even anger or whatever it was, they listened to the story of Peter. They heard what he had to say. And like Peter, they come to a point, as Peter says, who am I that I could stand in the way of God? We, we could do well to, to listen to those who are around us. Because when we do, then we begin to hear, oh, that's your need. Because don't, don't, you, don't you hate whenever you've been a part of something of where you're just simply busy? If, sometimes it feels good to be busy because it feels like you're doing something. But I, I actually hate that because it's just you're busy and you're exhausting yourself for no good reason. And especially for us as Mission Point, being 40 strong or so, that, that for us, we, we want to be very intentional and in visiting with our elders and some of our leadership of very intentional of like, what are we giving our effort to? Because there are, there are literally hundreds of great things that we could give ourselves to. There are hundreds of ways that we could look to minister. But we want to be intentional about how are we being strategic with that? And, and what I've found is I've been reading and studying through Acts and, and just through Scripture, it's just all kinds of things. But man, can we be about the gospel in the way that we're going to engage with people is develop that burden for them. But to how to know to, 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 to meet their need is to listen to what their need actually is as opposed to going, I think you need a cup of water. Maybe they have a ton of water. I don't need any water. But as you listen to them, you go, you know what they need? They just need somebody to sit down and listen to them over a cup of coffee because nobody's listened to them for years. And they are emotionally, relationally, lonely, hurting. And as opposed to just trying to throw a dart at a board of like, oh, we'll do this for you, we'll do that for you. It's like, no, 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 I want to engage you, listen to you and go, ah, now now I know because I've listened. What, what, what you need is maybe food. What you need is water. What you need is some clothing. Or what you need is something more emotional, relational, physical, We don't know until we listen. And when we do, we can step back and then I love the fact that they begin to just praise God, to give Him the glory for what He has done. It's good for us to do that. All right, we got to move on. Look at Acts chapter 11, verse 19. It says, so then those who were scattered, this takes us back to Acts 6, 7, and 8. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen made their way to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. And the news about them once again reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. 
and they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them with all resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. And considerable numbers were brought to the Lord. And he then left for Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. If the first thing I wanted you to see was that the gospel is remarkable because, um, uh, I even forgot my own point. Gospel is remarkable because it's for everyone. The second is the gospel is remarkable because it's going to go forth. F-O-R-T-H. It's going to go out. The question is, are you going to be a part of it? Are you going to be a part of the movement of God? Are you going to be a part of, of his redeeming work, part of his kingdom work? We, we find in these verses the, the reminder of Stephen being the first martyr, the persecution, the scattering of those within the city of Jerusalem because of fear for their life. But the result is this, even though the gospel is being persecuted or the, those who have received the gospel are being attacked, the gospel will not stop because you take that with you wherever you go because you take the person of the Holy Spirit with you wherever you go. You take your story and your experience with you wherever you go. Again, that's why where you live is where you live, where you work is where you work, and where you play is where you play. You take that with you, and you always have that as a result. And they continued, as they were even scattered, they continued to, to speak the word, but you'll note that they still are only sharing with those who are Jewish. And then in verse 20, it says, but, essentially, but men from here went there. They, they, they didn't just stay where they were, they had a desire to be missional and to be sent out for a purpose and a cause. Not for a vacation, not for some sightseeing, but for the value of the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus. Uh, I love maps, so I'm going to show you a map up on the screen so that you can have an idea of kind of what they were doing. So the, so the scattering of Jerusalem happened here. They went to Phoenicia, to Cyprus, to Antioch. But then the gospel somehow also got to Cyrene over here. And what happened is... As all this scattering takes place, for, for whatever reason, I'll say it's the Lord, whatever happens is there, there's this convergence of going into Antioch. It becomes one of the great hubs of the early church, of the early church movement, of the early church mission movement. Like This is an incredible hub of education and theological training and sending out of, of missionaries, along with obviously the church in Jerusalem. But here they are, here they come, and as they do so, the people who, the men who came from Cyprus, this island, and from Cyrene, they make their way to Antioch and they're like, the Greeks need to hear about this as well. The Gentiles need to hear about the gospel as well. And just like with Peter and Cornelius, God is at work beyond the, the things that you're comfortable with, beyond just the, the parameters that you're used to. He goes, he goes out and he goes beyond. He literally is crossing water and crossing desert in order to get the gospel of Jesus out. I, I love the fact that this morning, whenever Tim shared with us, of th this is what Mission Point was able to be a part of for, for going beyond our borders and going beyond our walls and to the work and the DR. of, of It's a financial thing, but it, it's, it's essential to, to being a part of, here's your need, we've heard it. Here's a way in which we can be a part of helping meet that need. And you see that here within, within, the, within, the chapter, uh, within chapter 11 and within the story of the early church. And so uh, as this happens, 
you, you can see they began speaking to the Greeks, preaching Jesus, sharing uh, the grace of God, and Barnabas now shows up. The church of Jerusalem has heard about what's going on in Antioch. Things are just, just popping off, going just, just wildfire for the glory of the Lord. They send Barnabas up there to kind of check it out, to make sure that things are as they should be. He gets up there, and he's just he's moved. He says he's witnessed the grace of God, and so he, he rejoices. He doesn't come in and just try to simply say, oh, this is how you should do it. He rejoices and encourages them, and then uses what God has gifted him to do to, to help lead in that church setting, to teach in that church setting, but he, he really fulfills and lives out his name. If you go back to Acts chapter 4, his real name is Joseph, but because he got the nickname Barnabas, because his, his quality and just his lifestyle was he, was he was just a son of encouragement. He was that guy that you all want in your life that is in your ear like, you got this, I believe in you, I'm for you. I see you, I value you, and we need that within, within all of our lives. I thought about it a lot this week, and we don't have time to get super into it, but I just simply put an application that you could take from this passage is be a Barnabas. Be someone of encouragement to those that are around you. If you want to be heard and kind of leverage those conversations with those that you live, work, and play with, man, see what they are doing and encourage them in what they are doing. Because think about this. I thought about this the other day. How often do you get encouraged? I, I can remember working at a job years ago, and I was working with my brother at the time, and he, he was just working as hard as he could, and his supervisor would just come over and go, you got that ready? You got that ready? And just kind of hand it off. And I remember my brother saying, it would go a long way if I could just get a little word of encouragement. Of, man, I appreciate that. It's like, I don't have to have it, but it will go a long way. And I know for a lot of you, as we enter into 2022, I, I would imagine just in this room and those watching online, there are some things going on in individual lives and in families where there is just some struggle with something, maybe financially, relationally, or emotionally. And you come into a place like this, and you're like, did somebody see me today? Did somebody value me today? And I want this to be a place of grace and truth, but, but that this legitimately, like mission point, would be a place where we gather together as a people, as the church, and we would know it's not going to be a sappy, put on a fake smile and go, that, that kind of thing. It's like, no, 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 they love me. They value me. They encourage me. Because we don't, we go out into the world and we just, it's easy to just get torn to pieces for things to be so cynical and so sarcastic and so just dry that, that, that it's like, I need that reservoir of encouragement. I need to know that I'm not alone. I need to know that there are others beside me so that when I go out on mission and it feels overwhelming, I know I'm going to come back and be rejuvenated and, re, and, and, and recouped by those who, who love the Lord and who, who love me. And I love that Barnabas is encouraging these individuals, but he doesn't want to do it alone. He's there within the life of the church, but he goes after a guy by the name of Saul, one of the great duos of all history. You got Lewis and Clark. You got, uh, what, what, what were they? Uh, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. You, you got Frodo and Sam. 
You got Kirk and Spock. I thought of Kirk. He loves Kirk. You got Han and Chewie. But here you got Saul and Barnabas, or Paul and Barnabas, as his name will be later. He looks for Saul. He goes to Tarsus. He leaves his work in ministry at Antioch. And some people might say, you can't leave that. God's just doing too much. You need to stay here, Barnabas. He, he recognizes, no, 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 no. For a short period of time, I'm going to go find Saul and I'm bringing him to Antioch because it will exponentially be that much greater. I got this guy, this partner that I'm going to work with. And they stay there for a year in such a movement and such a stir that now the community at large, not even the church, is going, there's those Christians. This is where they first get their name, where we get our name. These little Christ, these, these, these who are of the party of Jesus, the party of Christ. Some of you are like, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, I'm a whatever. Be a part of the Jesus party. And so here, here they are, like, literally, that's what they're saying. That's the party of Jesus, the party of Christ. Because of how they conduct themselves and how they speak, we know that they are Christians. It meant to be a derogatory thing, but they almost as if they took it as a badge of honor of like, yes, we are little Christ, and we are a part of his party. Going on, look at verse 27 to 30. It says, now at this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Agabus stood up and began to indicate by the Spirit that there would certainly be a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the reign of Claudius. And in the proportion that any of the disciples had means, each of them determined to send a contribution for the relief of the brethren living in Judea. And this they did, sending it in charge of Barnabas and Saul to the elders. The gospel of Jesus, again, is remarkable. And in this section, it's, it's because it makes an impact. The gospel makes an impact in two different ways that I want us to see. The first is internally. And, and we've seen that throughout even this passage here. You, you saw it when it says that the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Uh, we, we see it whenever the, they, they see that this repentance leads to life. We, we can see how the, the preaching of the Greeks was the preaching of the Lord and the, they witnessed the grace of God. There's this, there's this change that happens and this impact that happens because the gospel was heard and received and it, it makes a change on the inside. Peter, for the longest time, said, this is really ours. And then God says, nope, we're going to change that. It's not just yours, it's everyone's. The church of Jerusalem was questioning Peter and said, the gospel's really just for, for us. The, this, this Jesus, the Messiah, is for us, the Jews. And then they hear of how God is at work and they say, no, 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 no. We're changed. We're different now. This is for everyone. The scattered ones who'd gone up to Antioch were only preaching to the Jews, said, this is just ours. Internally, they are changed by the gospel and say, no, 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 no. It's for everyone. We must be reminded that the sharing of gospel, uh, the gospel of Jesus is essential. Jesus and the message of, of, of him is what changes people. I, I wrote this down. We we want the one that we live with, that we work with, and that we play with to have peace. Don't we? Don't we want them to have peace in their life? Less anxiety. We want them to have hope and identity. Those things are all great. But above all, we must proclaim and say that they must have Jesus as Lord and Savior. And the only way this happens is by the life that we live and the words that we share. At least four different times I found in just this chapter of how they would speak the gospel. Proclaim the word. Preach Jesus. Our words matter. And I know that for some of you, you might go, well, I'm an introvert. My personality is more shy. 
as, as Doug shared last week out of Romans, how will they call upon the name of the Lord of the one they haven't heard? And how will they hear unless someone shares? Like we, we have to still speak. And so your setting may be one of like, I don't ever want to get on a platform and share with a large group of people. But I'll sit over a meal with someone in my home. And as the conversation begins to develop, and as we begin to share, my, my hope is that we begin to move towards that direction of I want to speak of Jesus because he is central to my life. So the gospel not only impacts internally, but also externally. You saw that there was a great famine in this land. And so what they do is they take up an offering to provide relief for the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And notice what they did. This isn't a tithe. This is an above and beyond gift. They, they, they gave in proportion that any of the followers had in, uh, of their means, each determined to send a, a contribution. And this is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus. It not only impacts things internally, but because of the gospel of Jesus, it impacts externally. It's because of Jesus that we have hospitals and education, Salvation Army and Red Cross, disaster relief. There's multiple images of, of, of different places where you can see our Southern Baptist disaster relief guys with their little yellow hats on out on the front lines time and time again whenever there is great calamity that takes place. As a church, as a people, we should be ready to share that cup of water and to clothe that person and to feed that individual. And we want to help meet those physical needs because like Jesus, we see the people and we have compassion for them. We, we hurt for them. We, we feel for them. And we see that physical need, but it also draws us to their spiritual need, their, their need for Christ in their life. And so, yeah, we, we definitely want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of how can we leverage what we have for the glory of the Lord. But one of our values at church, as you, as you know, is that we value a ministry of generosity. And so we give sacrificially of our time and our abilities and our resources. Can, can I encourage you as you enter into 2022, not only that you would have these three individuals that you're praying for, but what does it look like for you this year as you go into it of what it is to, to give to the Lord, to be a part of that contribution externally for the glory of the Lord and for His kingdom work here within Mission Point? Now, I think I've shared, with this, you, shared this with you before, but uh, every year on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, because it's a holiday and uh, banks were closed, so at church we, we, we took that time off in Oklahoma, and Tiffany and I, we would go to a bookstore and we would sit over a cup of coffee and we would look at the previous year and we would look forward to the next year and we would discuss things. Husbands, wives, you want to do something bold, husbands? Ask your wife, what could I do better to love you this year? It's kind of uncomfortable because you're like, I think I'm doing an okay job, but we'll see. But have that conversation. But every year we'll discuss this year we have our tithe, but, but what are we giving above and beyond? Like, what, what, Lord, based upon what we know and stepping out of faith, what, what is sacrificial and systematic to give to you and to give to your work? Maybe you haven't done that before, but I would encourage you to. In the same way that we talk about just about everything, I mean, talk about that. Have that discussion with the Lord. Of what does this look like for us this year? Because what you see is... That is, a, that is one of the, the, the essential things that you see from Barnabas' life in, in Acts chapter 4 and 5. You see it here in Acts chapter 11 and all throughout the early church that, that part of, of the ministry of the gospel, it did include giving of their resources, their time, their travel, all of it, their comfort in order that the glory of the Lord and the gospel would, would go out. So this gospel is incredibly remarkable. But I want to talk about that for just a second. 
I have a few of these that I wrote down. What's incredible to me is a retiree who's generous with their time. But what's remarkable to me is a retiree who submits their time to the Lord. It's incredible for a high school student who would lead an exemplary life. It's remarkable when that high school student leads a life choosing to follow Jesus no matter the cost. It is incredible when a 60-year-old loves his or her grandkids and children. That's we should, Yes. But it is remarkable when that 60-year-old engages them with the gospel and the mission of Jesus and sets the tone. It's incredible when a father and a husband provides for his family and for his children and for his wife. You should. It's remarkable when he leads his home with the truth of God's word regularly into the lives of his wife and his children. It's incredible when young adults live a moral life of integrity, honesty, and purity. You should. But it's remarkable when a young adult lives a life that is surrendered to the lordship of Jesus on mission for him and his glory and his name. It's an incredible thing to go to church, to serve, to be generous, to read your Bible and to pray. Those are some pretty incredible religious things to do. But it is remarkable when we acknowledge and repent of our sin. Surrender your life to Jesus because you know the gospel and you are in relationship with Jesus. As we close, there's something that I wanted to share with you before we close. Something that I want us to, to highly value as we go into 2022 is if you've grown up in church like I have, sometimes when the pastor gets to the end of his sermon, he'll close his Bible or he'll put his notes to the side. And when that happens, it's very easy for any of us to check out. We're done. I've been praying a lot of, I believe, perhaps, I won't say across the board, but perhaps the most important part of this worship hour is now that you have prepared your heart for worship through song, softened your heart to hear from the Word by reading the Word and Scripture reading, and then hearing the Word of God, that far too easily when we get done with that, we have this time of response and we just kind of go, where am I eating? And what can I do next? And especially with this crew that we have today, because I know so many are out for a variety of reasons, many watching online and many of you, you are the core of Mission Point. And what I'm calling upon you to do in 2022 and beyond is that we as a people, we would seek to take advantage of our time of response. Some of you might remember it as an invitation. Because I think one of the worst things that we could do is we could hear from the Word, worship God, but what you're doing is you're just taking so much in. Like, that's a lot of verses. And we didn't even get to drill down as deep as I wanted to. But you're taking so much in that you need just a moment to kind of go, okay, so what? <laughs> What's the point of what we just heard and went through? And that's why I try as, as best I can to kind of direct in, in light of what we studied of like respond this way or that way. Obviously today is going to be the live, work, and play. But during this time, as much as you possibly can, wherever you sit, because you don't know who's sitting next to you, that you take this time, not, not to be stoic, but to take this time and be like, Lord, I, I, I don't want any distraction coming from me to those who are around me. 
I want this to be a time where I'm responding to you. You've spoken to me. I want to respond to you. And if you're not sure what your response is, man, pray for the person on the right and left of you during the response time. And just say, God, I'm having a hard time really focusing right now. I've been there on a Sunday. <laughs> so Lord, help me just to pray for the people next to me because I'm just kind of a lost cause this Sunday. My mind is anywhere but here. But Father, for the people to the right and left of me, may they hear what you have to say and may they know how to respond and take it into their work week this week. Take it into the places where they live, work, and play. I, I just think it's incredibly essential. And so this is what I want you to do. If you are a follower of Christ, you know that you know that you are in Christ. You've received his grace and his mercy. The Holy Spirit has come to dwell within you. Now I want you to look at this screen. This is what I want you to do. Uh, can you just go ahead and pop them all up? I'm, I apologize. I want you to thank, develop, love, and gospel conversate. What I mean by that is I want you to take that time to think, who do you live with? around, under your roof? Who do you work with? Who do you play with? Have at least three. I got four right now. I'm not saying that that's because of whatever. It's just what it is. Um, and so uh, I have someone that lives next to me. I have someone that I work with that I've never even seen in the flesh because of remote work. And it's really awkward and weird. How are you going to have a possible conversation with that? And then two, two individuals that I play with that I want to engage once you've thought of those people, I want you to take the time to develop. And I think the way that we develop that relationship is we want to develop a burden by praying. You're going to hear me use the word burden a lot in 2022. I don't want you to just go through the rote, ritualistic routine of, I'm supposed to share my faith, and I need to be a good, godly person. No, 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 no. If we want to value them, see them, we've got to have a burden for them. And so that begins by praying for these individuals. And then as you do, as you develop that relationship, you're going to begin to see how it is that you can actively love them. You're going to begin to see what that actually looks like. Again, as I said before, it's not just, I think you need some water. It's like, no, you have water. What you need, I can hear it from your voice. I can hear it from what you're saying. This is what you need. This is how you could be loved. And then as you do so, gospel conversations hopefully just happen. As I mentioned, there are two individuals of mine that I believe know the Lord. And so I'm not having a gospel conversation with them for the focus of that they would come to faith in Christ, but that they would be renewed in their love for Christ. And that means we need to talk about Jesus. And that's the, that's the gospel. And so these are the things that I want you guys to just key in on. For us as a church, as we go in, and we're going to have moments of gospel conversation training, and we're going to have ways in which to hopefully be encouraged by having gospel conversations, to know you're not alone by, by seeing some different things that we're going to do and different displays that we're going to have within the life of Mission Point. But let these things be kind of just those bullet points for you of think, develop, love, gospel conversations. Next thing that I want to challenge you to do before we dismiss today Maybe you're watching online or maybe you're here in the group. But if you are a follower of Jesus, is it time for you to be a part of Mission Point if you've been here or if you've been visiting? Is it time for you to make this your home, to lock arms with us? I would encourage you to, to seriously pray about where God would have you to call your home that you could invest in with your time, efforts, energy, resources, and abilities. And to that end, I want us to pray. Would you bow your head? And would you close your eyes? Before I pray, as I said, this is our time of response. For some of you, the way that you respond is I want you to write down those, those names in your Bible, in the margin. 
But for others of you, the last thing I ever want to do in a group like this, even though I see you and you are that core of Mission Point, and the worst thing I could do is make the assumption that you know Jesus personally. You may know about Him. You may have heard the stories of the cross and the resurrection and the empty tomb. You maybe have grown up in church for a long time. But have you ever surrendered your life to Jesus? The gospel that we read about in Acts chapter 11, the grace that was witnessed, the power of the Holy Spirit that was witnessed, man, it's available for you. It's available for everyone. If there's any one of you watching online or here in person that you're just wondering, I don't know, maybe, maybe not, and have a conversation with me or with a friend. And let's just discuss Jesus. Simple as that. We'll just discuss Jesus. So as I'm about to pray and we're about to sing, what will you do during this time of response? If you can't think of anything, and pray for the person to the right or next to you. Pray for the people on your list. These up here will be happy to sing all by themselves. We'd much rather you respond to the Lord in the way that He's asking you to. So Father, as we enter into 2022, as individuals and as a church, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would proclaim Jesus. That this would be at the heartbeat of who we are. That it wouldn't be a, a scheme or program that it would just be our life, our rhythm and our heartbeat. That we would adopt and mirror what we see in the early church. That we would make it our own because we know, Father, that it's Jesus who changes and Jesus who saves. So help us to proclaim Jesus. Amen.